Another Big 12 weekend series in the books, and we are here to talk about that and more here on the latest edition of the Gold and Blue Nation podcast, Baseball Edition, which of course is brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. You are at WVLawFirm.com. Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here with you. As we always are to discuss the WVU baseball team, Maisie's Crazies, as Shane Lyons called them on Mountaineer game day on Saturday, which I think we are going to use from now on, to describe this team, I think it's a pretty apt description of this team. Sam, of course, WVU drops this most recent series against Texas Tech on the road in Lubbock, a very tough place to play. But the way the series ended, good memories leaving Lubbock for the Mountaineers. Yeah, last weekend against Oklahoma State, we kind of saw it, it, it seemed like they tailed off in the last game. They really got hammered. This time they were doing the hammering in game three. So it shows, you know, this team's not really going to, take it sitting down they're gonna they're gonna come back and fight no matter what yep very much the case West Virginia drops game one of the doubleheader on Saturday of course inclement weather in Lubbock uh, pushed the first game of the series back to Saturday so they played a doubleheader on Saturday same day as the WVU spring football game which if you haven't done so yet go back and listen to the Golden Blue Nation podcast describing and analyzing the uh, gold blue game which you should definitely do but R Red Raiders come back to win seven to five in game one on Saturday then Texas Tech really Really blows WVU out 12 to 2 in eight innings in game two Saturday. In the midst of those two games, WVU goes 13 innings without a run between the two games, just seven hits combined for WVU in the doubleheader on Saturday. But West Virginia comes back in a big way on Sunday to win 15 to 4 to take the series finale. WVU scoring 10 runs in the ninth inning to really break that one open. It was a good game, really interesting game, up until the eighth inning, Sam, and then we got a really interesting call to end the eighth inning, which may or may not have decided the outcome of this game, but it certainly went into, I think, a big momentum swing late in this contest. Yeah, and you're referring to the interference call at second base. You know, that's one of those tough bang-bang calls for an up to make. Uh, normally, I wouldn't have necessarily called it uh, an interference, but, but that was the call, and it went in favor of the Mountaineers sent them off into the dugout and uh, getting ready for a big 10-run ninth inning. Yeah. So, um, you know, th it's definitely, it probably didn't change the outcome of the game. It put a, would have put a guy in scoring position, but the fact of the matter is WV WVU ended up scoring 10 runs in the ninth. I mean, that they're kind of mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. It just kind of started it a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think if you're Texas Tech, you, you probably have to wonder what's going on if in your own stadium you do kind of get a call like that. It was a tough call uh, in terms of probably not the right call. I think a lot of people would say uh, on that runner's interference call. And the situation was Texas Tech had two runners on, runners on first and second. A ground ball is hit to second base. Mikey Kleska fields that ball cleanly, throws a Tevin Tucker who's covering second to get the first out. Tucker's relay throw to first is not in time to complete what would have been an inning-inning double play. So at that point, Texas Tech believes they have runners on the corners. Instead, second base umpire calls runners interference on the slide. We saw a number of reviews because this play did go to review. Based on what you typically think of with, with runners interference, I know we didn't see a lot of, of that in, in the replay. I know the broadcasters there in Lubbock also did not see uh, runners interference being made by the runner in that situation. But both plays that went under replay in that game on Sunday, uh, both 
stood up under under review, and that was one of those plays that did go under review. So call stands, and then as, as we both mentioned, WVU then goes on to score 10 runs in the ninth inning, including Evan Smith hitting a grand slam, his first homer of the year in just his, I believe, seventh start of the season for the Mountaineers, started at designated hitter. And Sam, I, I wrote down here on our podcast notes a simple question. Evan Smith is a god question mark. What a series this guy had coming off the bench on Saturday and then riding that hot streak into Sunday. What what a series for Evan Smith. Yeah, that's that's I mean, he's been one of several freshmen that have really showed out um, in the last week or so. Aiden Major played really well at PNC Park yeah. on the mound. We'll talk about that later, but Evan Smith, I mean, nothing beats a grand slam. Even if you're already up several runs, that's that's a great feeling for anybody, a big confidence boost and and on a Saturday, in the second game, he had a—I thought it was a triple. They called it a double, and he advanced the third. It's officially ruled a double, but I say it's a triple. Two RBIs. The kid had a great, uh, a great uh, series, even though he didn't even play in the first game. Yeah, that's a really good point. Evan Smith did not play for the first 17 innings of the series, and he winds up with. A two RBI double on Saturday to give West Virginia its only runs of game two. He hits a double early in the game on Sunday in the, in the series finale, and then a grand slam as part of that 10 run ninth inning. Evan Smith, one of those guys who he kind of reminds me a little bit of Nathan Blassick in a way of he doesn't look overly imposing, you know, just to look at him. But he puts a pretty good swing on it no matter when he's in the game, and he's starting to get those results, I think. Yeah, and it's just like what Nathan was doing last season as a freshman. Mm -hmm. He's coming in, late inning situations, end of the season, and he's making an impact at the plate, even though he's not really a guy that was a part of the conversation in, in February or even March. He's coming in, and he's swinging the bat. He's swinging the bat well. We'll talk about this a little bit more later on in the podcast, but the good thing about this series for West Virginia is that this pretty much ends the toughest portion of its schedule in terms of Big 12 play. Still a big series coming up against Texas here in a couple of weekends, but for the most part going down the backstretch of this season, West Virginia will be playing teams ranked in the bottom half of the Big 12 conference. That's big to get through this portion relatively unscathed and about as good if not better than maybe we thought coming into this season. When you take two out of three on the road from TCU, you, you unfortunately gave the, the series finale away against Oklahoma State, but a competitive series nonetheless against a nationally ranked Cowboys squad. And then, you know, really outside of game two of that doubleheader Saturday, another competitive series against another top 10 nationally ranked team on the road in Texas Tech. West Virginia, you, they've done about what you've asked or what you need to ask a team to do if you want to ultimately make the NCAA tournament and uh, some good things ahead for WVU. Certainly, at least it looks like it looking at the Big 12 standings. For sure, and even if you look at their non-conference schedule, they have Penn State coming up who they already mm -hmm. beat, Pitt coming up who they've already beaten, um, and, and likely they're going to have Marshall again who they've taken two from already this season. And then, like you said, the, the bottom of the Big 12 yeah. coming up. Texas looms in there towards the end of the season, but Kansas has been struggling to keep runs off the board. Yeah. Kansas State isn't exactly the cream of the crop. And uh, then, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. is, they're ranked, they're tied with West Virginia in the standings right now. But um, it, just based on results, it, it looks like Oklahoma might be um, a, a 
West Virginia should be favored against Oklahoma, I should say. And so far, just to put a bow on Oklahoma here for a second, they have not played TCU or Texas Tech, two teams that West Virginia has already played. So there's a couple of tough opponents coming up for Oklahoma. But Sam, of course, we've gotten to that point. We always get to here on the Golden Blue Nation baseball podcast, stolen base notes. It's one of my favorite things. We've been tracking this all season long, Sam. Stolen base notes, Victor Scott, we, you have to start with him, 30 stolen bases on the season. Just behind him, though, as, as he's gone a couple of games without a stolen base, Austin Davis now 25 stolen bases on the year. WVU up to 130 steals this season. And just a reminder that the previous single season record was 115, so they're going to probably smash that. Well, they already have smashed yeah. it, but they're going to keep smashing it by a, a good percentage. But, you know, Victor Scott... Took a couple of days off. He's still at 30. Austin Davis is catching up to him. But the rest of the team picked up the slack. Against Pitt on Tuesday, they had 10 steals. Yeah. Today they had two um, against uh, Texas Tech. Austin Davis had one of them. And Ben Abernathy, who's kind of the sneaky stealer, stealer I should say, mm -hmm. towards the end of games, he, he's, he had another one. But, um, yeah, that, it, again, it adds another wrinkle for teams to think about. It bothers opposing pitchers, and it's just a way for them to showcase what, what they do best, and that's their athleticism and their speed. I haven't updated this stat yet. I should have updated it before we started here on the podcast. But after play last weekend, so after play on uh, uh, April, I forgot what month it was, April, 20, uh, April 18th, I should say, uh, West Virginia was on pace to steal 175 bases this season. At one point this season, they were up over 200 bags they were on pace to steal. I don't think they're going to get there, but certainly when you talk about smashing that previous program record, they are certainly going to do so. A couple more notes here before we move on. Austin Davis now has 60 stolen bases for his career. That's the third most in program history. He's the third player to reach 60. He's just one away from tying Brandon White for second most all-time in program history. Mentioned WVU is 130 stolen bases on the year. Davis, Victor Scott, Tevin Tucker, all three are now top 10 in program history for career steals. Mentioned Austin Davis as third. Victor Scott is now sixth at 54. He's just one behind Braden Zarniski, uh, who had 55 stolen bases in a career. That's fifth most all-time. Tevin Tucker now eighth all-time with 43 stolen bases. He's just two away from tying uh, seventh place, Brady Wilson for that spot in program history. And I mean, when you're looking at the single season, stolen base leaders as well. Victor Scott, of course, as we've mentioned throughout this season, now has the most steals in, in a single season in program history at 30. Austin Davis is 25. That's the eighth most for him. And of course, that next steal will not only tie him for the individual career stolen base mark with Brandon White, but the single season uh, program mark with time for seventh there with Brandon White, so Brandon White, I should say. So a couple of notes there on Austin Davis. We, we've talked about this a couple times here. We've, we've at least mentioned it. That PNC Park game against Pittsburgh that happened on uh, Wednesday that was supposed to be played Tuesday was pushed back due to weather of all things. West Virginia baseball, weather, inclement weather, pushing a game back. We haven't heard of that, right? Baseball in the north, it's just sunshines and rainbows. Yep, that's all it is. That's all it is. But So West Virginia played Pitt at PNC Park on Wednesday. The Mountaineers winning 3-2 to two in extra innings. That one went all the way through the 11th inning. WVU now 4-0 all-time at PNC Park. It's the second win for the Mountaineers over Pitt at PNC and the second win in extra innings for WVU 
at PNC Park. We also mentioned 10 steals in that game for WVU, and neither of the Big 12 stolen base leaders in Austin Davis and Victor Scott were part of it. Yeah, like I said, this whole team can do it from top to bottom. There are a couple of guys that might struggle more than others, but yeah, this whole team is liable to, to steal a bag here and there. Um, and that was kind of what made the difference in the game in a lot of ways. When it's a one-run one ball game, getting on second, getting on third base is going to make that difference. Cause, um, and, and it also almost hurt, hurt the game because um, Tevin Tucker tried to steal home. But the second run that uh, WVU scored was Dane Leonard stealing third. Pitt tried to throw him out yeah. of third, and it was an error. Dane ran straight home unopposed. So that, that, that's just what makes this team tough to play. But... Also, it makes it exciting to play. And, you know, let's just talk about our experience at PNC Park. Yeah, it was for a sure. beautiful ball game. It was about 65 degrees, sunny, um, kind of a smaller crowd than we had expected, but you can't really hope for much on Wednesday, Wednesday at, at 1 p.m. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely a blast, and, and we got an exciting ball game out of it. Yeah, what a game that was. It's always a great experience, and Randy Mazie has talked uh, or, or has spoken not only – after Wednesday's game, but, but previous years as well, about what that experience means to his team and to his players and what kind of opportunity that is. And, and a couple of those players specifically really took advantage of that opportunity. Aiden Major, the freshman, three innings of shutout, no hit ball in his first career start, five strikeouts for him, did have four walks in those three-plus innings, but what a performance out of him. And then in the back end of that game, Trey Braithwaite comes in, gets into a little bit of a jam, had three walks in the inning, but gets a couple of strikeouts to get out of that jam. And then Ben Abernathy, two innings on the mound in extra innings. Both of those came. He gets the win, two shutout, no-hit innings in extra innings for him. That was a game that, because of all the lineup changes, we wondered, did Randy Mazie make those lineup changes a little bit too early? Did he take out some of those starters too early? But Ben Abernathy, a guy he brought in as a pinch runner, ended up having to finish that game on the mound. A couple of great performances out of some of these younger players for WVO. Yeah, I'm counting right now, but I believe 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different Mountaineers. 14 different Mountaineers had an at-bat. Wow. In that game, so there, you know, there was there were a lot of new new faces on there. But then, really, like you said, I mean, Ben Abernathy was kind of the low key MVP of that game. Yeah. he had a bunch of steals, and then he came on and got the win. Um, that's the, the again unique stat line for a guy. He, he went over two, but he he had a couple of steals, and he got that win to 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 seal it. But yeah, just just a heck of a game. A lot of faces made it onto the diamond, and uh, WVU beat Pitt. What more can you ask for? Randy Mazie spoke to reporters after that game in which WVU stole 10 bases, and of course they got that great opportunity to play at PNC Park. Here are some of Randy Mazie's comments following that win in the backyard brawl over Pitt on Wednesday. There's no place I could hide from our players. When they get on base, they are looking for me constantly to give them the steal sign. Because that's the way we play. That's how we win, that's how we lose. We had 10 steals. Got thrown out at home plate again on a steal, but that's that's what we do, you know. Ten out of eleven, I guess, right? That's the only time we got thrown out. Uh, we'll take that ratio any day. But you play against the Mountaineers, you gotta gotta find a way to prepare for that. I think we should build an exact replica in Morgantown. That's what I think. If we play that well here, then uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just fun for our kids to play. You know, before the game, we talk about the fact that. 
every pitcher that went out there today put his footsteps in the same on the same rubber that Mariano Rivera and and all the greats that have ever pitched here. It's pretty cool to say you you shared that rubber with with some of those guys and you know our guys that hit got to stand in the same batter's box as the Barry Bonds and McGuire's and Trout's are all the greatest players that have ever played here. So all that stuff's cool, but when the game starts, it's all about winning the game too. But looking back on it, what, a, what an unbelievable experience for our kids to get to play here. So there's the skipper, Randy Mazie, following West Virginia's win over Pitt in the backyard brawl on Wednesday at PNC Park. WVU getting the win 3-2. to two. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here with you. And Sam, hopefully this game at PNC Park, it's a game that hopefully we see moving forward for WVU. They've played there four times now. Of course, next year's schedule not released yet. But I, I know, personally, I'm hoping for it. I know a lot of fans are hoping to see that game continue to be on the schedule. Yeah, Randy even said, you know, he wants to play Pitt three times a season. He wants to play them at Cost Field in Pittsburgh, the, the Panthers' home field. He wants to play them at Mon County Ballpark, and he wants to play them at PNC. Now, the, I wrote this in, in, on GoldenBlueNation.com. That kind of gives WVU a statistical advantage. For one, Mon County Ballpark has proven to be one of the more one of the best home field advantages in college baseball, especially for WVU. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about the Black Bears. I can't pull those numbers out. But PNC Park, WVU is undefeated at PNC Park. So, you know, if you even take away cost field, WVU is most likely going to get two wins to one over Pitt in that setup. That's exactly what you want, of course, be beating Pitt. Anytime you can beat them is a positive. But I always find this interesting when Randy Mazie says he wants Pitt to be good because it really does. It truly means these wins over Pitt do matter more. And it also means that if you lose to Pitt, it's not that bad of a loss as far as RPI and the, the metrics go. Of course, you never want to lose to Pitt. But metrics-wise, it's not that bad if Pitt's doing okay and, and you happen to drop one as WVU did this season to the Panthers. But, yeah, hopefully that series can continue at PNC Park, whether it's Pitt, Penn State, or you bring in somebody else. Uh, it, honestly, I, I was thinking of this the other day, too. I think it'd be cool if West Virginia could expand that a little bit and maybe see if you can get into progressive field in Cleveland, play Ohio State, or play um, uh, Akron Zips, or, or, or someone like that. Get, get another non-conference neutral site game in a major league ballpark. Uh, if you went to Camden Yards, played Maryland. You went to Nationals Park and played one of the schools in the D.C. area, Georgetown maybe. Uh, I think if you could do that, just continuing to move WV around to these bigger ballparks, just such a great experience for these kids in the program. Yeah, I think one of the great things about WVU is their rivalries are very regional. You know, you got Penn State, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Maryland. They're all very close. Of course, Marshall. Marshall, there's no real ballpark in between Marshall unless you want to play in Charleston. At Power Park, at yeah. At Power Park. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, you've you got a lot of opportunities to play, like you said, Nationals, na National Park. Mm -hmm. Nationals yep. Park. I was going to say National Stadium. Nationals Park where the Nationals play. Camden Yards, which is one of the best ballparks in baseball. PNC as well. Um, now, getting up to Ohio would definitely be really interesting. That would be that would be unique. But yeah, they, they have a lot of opportunities, and they're all good teams. Yeah, you know, Virginia Tech is a very solid team this year, uh, as is Maryland. But um, you know, th that would be awesome for the program and get people in the seats for sure. 
just trying to think within drivable distance as well, depending on what your definition of drivable is. Philadelphia might be a little too far on the outside of that. Uh, of course, again, there's a Penn State connection there. Penn State not all that far uh, from, from Philadelphia. And then if you go the other way, Cincinnati, I couldn't tell you offhand how good the Bearcats program is, but uh, maybe that, that's another situation kind of like Pittsburgh where you get to play in a big league ballpark might be against the home team, quote unquote, but you know a good opportunity there. I I, I would love to see uh, Shane Lyons and, and the boys and girls in there in the athletics department be able to expand this a little bit. No, no pressure, of course. <laughs> That's just wishful thinking. Well, you got to remember that Cincinnati might be a conference opponent in a couple of years. That's true. So That's true. We'll that see be, how well, how quickly that happens. That would be nice to get uh, a little warm up series at Great American, you know. There but you but uh, yeah, no, definitely a lot of close, close rivals and opportunities to throw throw the Mountaineers in big league ballpark. Speaking of big league ballparks, let's talk about West Virginia's big league sensation right now, Alec Manoa. Sam, let's, I'm just going to pose it to you like this. You take it however you want. Alec Manoa is a future Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, I think the, yeah. Numbers, the numbers say so. I think he's due for a Cy Young within the next three years. 100%. 100%. Alec Manoa, for those of you who haven't been following the Blue Jays because they are north of the border, uh, Alec Manoa just simply tearing it up for the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto is 19-4 and with Manoa on the mound since he made his debut last year, and they've won 11 in a row when he has been on the mound. 11 straight of his starts. Toronto has gotten the win in. Manoa himself 3-0 this year, 12-2 in his career. And in fact, Sam, he has the best winning percentage of any Major League Baseball pitcher who's thrown at least 100 innings since the start of 2021. He didn't make his debut until May, and that's a, you're adding a whole other month onto that. He's got the best winning percentage in all of Major League Baseball among pitchers. Yeah, he's, he's been, I mean, as a Yankee fan, he's already been a major thorn in my side. Yes. Uh, same with the Orioles. He's been very good. We beat him the, once, though. We got him once. We did beat him once, but... Yeah, ever since he made his debut against the Yankees, it was pretty clear that he was going to be something special. Um, he's got a lot of speed. His slider is disgusting, and uh, he gets a lot of strikeouts. Sometimes he's been liable to get hammered a little bit. He had some tough starts uh, towards the end of last season, but, yeah, he's, he's really good. He's really good. And for all the gamers out there, he's, he's one of the premier players on MLB The Show. He was given a face of the franchise card um, in Diamond Dynasty, which means, well, he's supposedly the face of uh, the Blue Jays franchise right now. Now, the Yankees' equivalent was Araldis Chapman, and I think if you ask the Yankee fan, he's not the most popular guy okay. <laughs> in the ball club That's right now. That's interesting. But, um, yeah, no, he's, he's getting a lot of hype, and it's warranted so far. Still got a long way to go, but he's pretty close to that Cy Young. It's really interesting that the face of the franchise portion of the MLB The Show uh, card grading there, especially when you've got j just some guy, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you might have heard of him, uh, also <laughs> playing for that team. You've also got Matt Chapman and, and Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, and, and some other really good players, George Springer, uh, playing for, for, for this team. But, yeah, I mean, Alec Manoa, what he's been able to do so far in his still very young Major League Baseball career is outstanding. And, uh, again, I, I think – I should have checked myself. I, maybe I shouldn't even bring the stat up, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, I believe if Alec Manoa continues on his pace, he will have the most strikeouts for a former Mountaineer in a career by the end of this season. I'll, I'll have to look that up. Maybe that's something I can bring back next week. 
Uh, but I believe that's going to be the case. If he continues at this pace, he's averaging about six and a half strikeouts per game so far this season. He'll have the most in a career in just two seasons. I mean, that's pretty good, seeing that they've had an all-star come yeah. out. A recent all-star, mm -hmm. of course. But, yeah, um, which, sorry to John Means. He's had a tough had a tough birthday. I saw today was yes. his birthday. But uh, yesterday he announced to the world that he is done for the season with Tommy John. So yeah. I'm sorry, Ryan, and I'm sorry, John Means. But... Uh, on a positive note, Alec Manoa is really, really killing it elsewhere in the AL East. Alec Manoa is doing very, very well in the AL East. He's, I believe it's now 7-1, and one, maybe 7-2 and two against the AL East so far in his career. That, that's his win-loss record. The Blue Jays, I believe, are maybe 12-2 and two now against the AL East, and he gets a couple more AL East opportunities coming up. His next two outings will be against Boston and the New York Yankees, both of those games being played in Toronto. So a couple more premier matchups for him to be able to, uh, hopefully for WVU fans' sakes, maybe not for your sake, Sam, but <laughs> to, to shut the door on some AL East rivals. So that's looking ahead for Alec Winnell. Let's look ahead for WVU here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. WVU hosts uh, Penn State next coming up on Wednesday here at Monongalia County Ballpark. The Mountaineers have already beaten Penn State once this season. That was 8-4 to four in Happy Valley. After that, WVU heads to Kansas for a three-game weekend series. And Sam, that's one of those when you're looking ahead a little bit, WVU you think has to win at least two out of three. And they probably should sweep that series, given what teams have been doing to Kansas here lately. Yeah, I, I definitely think they. I think they need to sweep that series. They just got absolutely pounded by Oklahoma the week before. They were pounded by Baylor, mm -hmm. who WVU had swept. Uh, Baylor. They did take a game from Baylor, but still, you know, they're not. Kansas just isn't that good this year. They really are not. Um, and, and WVU come, go, to, go to Lawrence, and they're heavy favorites. And I, I, it's kind of got trap game written all over it, you know, just because, I mean, it's like Kansas football games, you know. <laughs> you you kind of you look at Kansas, and you're like, oh, we should beat Kansas every single year. Right. But it always somehow gets a little closer than it should be. It's got that kind of feeling going into it next week, especially coming off of a big win in against Texas Tech to end the series. But I think WV needs to come in, uh, pedal to the metal, and, and try to take all three games. Randy Mazie said it a couple weeks ago that West Virginia needs to practice like they aren't a very good team and then play like they are a very good team. And I think that's exactly what they're going to have to do this week specifically. Penn State not having a very good year. They're, they're struggling throughout this season. And Kansas having an even worse season so far. They are falling, I believe, now to 2-10 and 10 in the Big 12 conference play. Uh, so certainly Kansas on the outside looking in when you're looking ahead to the Big 12 tournament. In fact, if WVU gets a sweep next weekend on the road in Lawrence, Kansas, that nearly clinches a spot in the Big 12 tournament with what would be nine Big 12 games left to play. WVU would be up eight wins at that point on the Jayhawks. So one more win by West Virginia, one more loss by Kansas following next week's end series would pretty much clinch, uh, clinch excuse me, uh, West Virginia standing in the Big 12 tournament. And of course, in between the Kansas series and the Big 12 tournament, a big series coming up at the Mon starting on May 6th versus what will be a nationally ranked Texas team. Sam, you and I were talking about this a few minutes ago before we started this podcast. That might be a series that could be very unfortunately timed 
for West Virginia. Texas was not playing very well a couple weeks ago, and they uh, obliterated uh, their most recent Big 12 opponent over this weekend. I think they scored 42 runs over the course of three games this weekend. They actually put up 46. 46, that's what 46 it was. 46 runs um, and only allowed uh, nine. 46 to nine across three games. They got the sweep. Texas is a very vulnerable team, but when they're on, they are on. Um, you can see they started their uh, their their Big 12 slate against Texas Tech, and it made national headlines when they lost in extra innings on a home <clears throat> on a stealing home situation. Then they gave up a grand slam in the beginning of the uh, second game. But since then, they've really largely been on their game. They've faltered a little bit against Kansas State, but, mm -hmm. um, man, this past week they were unstoppable. And you know, WVU also sw swept Baylor, but they did not sweep them 46-9. to Very different sweep between those two schools and yeah. against the Baylor Bears. And it also should be noted, uh, against Kansas State, Texas was, was without Ivan Melendez, their big power hitter, and another uh, pretty key hitter as well in that series due to injury. Again, unfortunately timed this series against the Longhorns could be as, as it looks like uh, Texas is going to get on a roll. However, a really big series coming up for the Longhorns in between now and playing at WVU. They will host Oklahoma State uh, this coming weekend. Feb or, I keep saying February. April 29th through May 1st uh, is, w is when that series between, w uh, between Texas and Oklahoma State will be held. So that's going to be one that West Virginia and West Virginia fans should be watching because if Texas stumbles, might give WVU some, some room to maybe break in and, and catch Texas napping a little bit. Hopefully that's the case, but we'll see moving forward. Yeah, it's, there are going to be a lot of big bats and a lot of really good pitching in that game. So that's going to be, a, even if you're not a WVU fan trying to get a scout, it's going to be a good series just to keep an eye on um, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But, yeah, that, that's going to be a big test for the Longhorns, and we're going to see how, how they manage uh, right now the top team in the league. Um, WVU managed Oklahoma State largely pretty evenly, so you, you can kind of take your pick to see how WVU will fare the next weekend. But, I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to be the premier series in college baseball next weekend. Will also likely be, when WVU hosts Texas here in two weekends, one of the largest crowds, weather permitting, that we see at Monongalia County Ballpark. We've already seen the seventh largest crowd in stadium history come into the ballpark against Oklahoma State. If Texas is playing well, West Virginia is playing well, we hope at that point. And weather permitting, of course, that's the asterisk you always have to throw around with a northern uh, baseball team. Should be very good crowds, hopefully, against uh, the Longhorns. I know my parents will be up here, so there's a couple people who's going to be in the stands. Yeah, even, even against Oklahoma State on Saturday, I believe, when it was raining, there was a pretty solid, yeah. solid turnout. Not quite, not quite the Friday night turnout, but definitely, definitely a good showing. And man, people around here they just hate the Longhorns. So it's it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be a, a, a rowdy crowd for sure. I'd throw horns down, but the referees from Saturday's uh, spring game may still be in the vicinity, and I would hate to get flagged here at the end of this podcast and cost it 15 yards. That would just not be good. It is also a podcast, so it probably wouldn't be that effective. But, There'd be know, no video evidence I did it, right? Yeah, so, in fact, you're doing it there right we now. There, there, we go. there we go. There Great we go. radio. Great radio, Ryan. <laughs> Would be a 15-yard penalty, much like uh, uh, facetiously urinating on a football. 
might yeah. be in a game. That was a unique little tidbit I saw yeah. in the spring Let's game. Let's not do that in a regulation game. How Let's not that? do that. Yeah, I, I was kind of cool with it, you know, in, in the spring game, have a little fun there, young fella. But yeah. no, I didn't. <laughs> if he does that on a Saturday in October, I think he would have a hell to pay. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, I just suggest going back and watching the spring game. It, it's probably somewhere on social media what we are referring to there. But that's going to wrap it up for us here on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, Baseball Edition. We, of course, will be keeping you updated on the WVU baseball team and all WVU athletics programs throughout the spring on TV with Daily Mountaineer Minutes on the website, goldenbluenation.com, and on the always free Gold and Blue Nation app on all of your favorite Apple or Android devices. For Sam Coniglio, I'm Ryan Decker. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you once again by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.